listening to Prosperous Coach Podcast with host Rhonda Hess. It's all about helping you choose a smart coaching niche and launch your coaching business with confidence. Hey, thanks for listening in. I have been so excited by the ratings and the comments that you all have been leaving for me about this podcast. I've been getting some really good feedback, and I'm so grateful for it. And it's also so exciting to see so many people subscribing. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate, especially when you share my show with other coaches. So keep that up and thank you again. Now, this episode, I'm going to share four ways to get relief from feeling alone and isolated in your business. And all of these ways are about finding or creating community. So let's get started on this. Now, there's so many upsides to having your own business, but the biggest downside to operating as a solopreneur is that, well, you're solo. That is, unless you do something intentional from the get-go to change that. And I am hoping that after this podcast, you will take some action so that you don't feel so lonely in your business. Being an entrepreneur is different than any job you've ever had. At first, you're slogging through tasks without a team, a sounding board, or even a water cooler connection. (laughs) So soon, yeah, you're going to have a steady flow of coaching clients that will energize you. But as you're building to that, the isolation that you're experiencing not only feels bad, but it also isn't good for you. Isolation is a contracting force. The longer that you go without support, the more your momentum is quashed. It might have you even questioning your decision to become a coach, to become an entrepreneur. And you're in the right place. I know that for sure. Prolonged loneliness can turn into depression. And look, everybody feels some of this isolation, some of this loneliness at first. But don't ignore it. Take some conscious actions until you feel sustainable relief. It's time to reach out and community is the solution. You have choices. When I emerged as a life coach in 1998, I immediately joined the Denver chapter of the International Coach Federation. In fact, I was kind of dragged there by my mentor coach at the time, and it was a good thing. It helped a lot. It's especially meaningful to be in the company of other coaches, especially when you are just in the startup phase. Now, if you're not near a city with an ICF chapter, there are some chapters that are online only. Go to coachfederation.org and check out whether there's something near you or whether there's something online you can join. Or you could join a Facebook or LinkedIn group. There's lots of them for coaches. Mainly what you're looking for is a professional group of peers. Rather than people who are way out ahead of you, you want to be hanging out with people who are basically in the same place as you. So think about it. What professional groups of peers could you join now? Peers are going to keep you inspired. 
once you have joined a bigger group, I want you to take it a step further by creating or joining a smaller subgroup of peers. Here's how you do it. You keep your eye out for kindred spirits in these groups. And then reach out to people who you connect to energetically or philosophically, however you operate. You could even form a support group with some or all of the coaches you trained with. And I know that some of the schools even set you up with something like that for a little while. Now, I'm an introvert. A lot of coaches are. So while the professional groups were helpful, I knew I needed a more intimate group. So I co-created a peer community with five other local new coaches. You know, we worked with each other for like, I don't know, five or six years. I'm not sure how long it was. We kept each other on a professional path. We laughed and we learned in a co-facilitated arrangement. Yeah, mostly it became a social scene. We had a potluck and some wine, plus a discussion topic. For a while, we studied a business book together, still a favorite of mine, which is called The Power Path, The Shaman's Way to Success in Business and Life, which is written by Lena and Jose Stevens. I believe they were anthropologists and they decided that it made a lot of sense to go out and talk to shamans of all these indigenous cultures and find out, you know, what, how do they operate? What do they know about doing well and um, being able to lead and those kinds of things. So it's a really fascinating book. Once or twice in this support group, we played Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow board game. It taught us a lot about money and how it works and, you know, how to have a mindset to attract money, but also how to stop spending so much money on doodads and crap that you don't really need. And I know this for sure. If I hadn't had that peer group, I would have long ago given up on my coaching business. It was critical for my success. And it's not like we were really necessarily teaching each other a lot of things. We were just being real with each other and taking care of each other. If you do start your own group, you'll be able to set the ground rules and the tone of the group. And this is really important. But you can pass the leadership role around. The idea here is to be equals and to help each other. I was really sad to hear when one of my clients told me recently that she joined a meetup group of coaches, but she stopped going because the people there just weren't being real with each other. Everyone acted as if they didn't need anyone else to succeed. And that is just not the case. The truth is, any person that you can name that's successful in the world got there with helping hands, lots of them. And here's the thing. This is really important. If you have chosen a smart and profitable and narrow enough coaching niche to stand out in the crowd, you won't have to be in this competing, strutting place. Instead, you can be generous with your fellow coaches and refer ideal clients to each other. Imagine how much more enjoyable it would be 
than having to pretend to be an island and pretend to have it all together all the time. So let's be good to each other. It's a fellowship, guys. And by the way, I will be talking in my next series all about choosing a smart and narrow and profitable niche that fits you like a glove. If you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast so you can hear all about the smart and profitable niche series when it's coming up and and how it's progressing. You can do that where you find the show notes for this episode, and that's at prosperouscoach.com slash four. Prosperouscoach.com slash four. The show notes have a lot of goodies in them, so I'd recommend that you do check them out. Uh, Seth Godin wrote a recent book. Um, he's always writing books. He's amazing. His uh, One of his most recent ones is called This is Marketing. I really recommend picking it up. And he says something that I've been saying to coaches for a really long time, so it it made me happy <laughs> to hear it from him. And he says, you want to choose the smallest viable market for your business. So here's a quote from his book. If you don't have the guts to be a meaningful specific, why do you think you're going to succeed as a wandering generalist? Wow, that's right up in your face. And it's totally true. And I'm not going to say too much more about the niche thing right now, but I really want you to take in that quote. And I will have um, Seth Godin's book, This is Marketing, a link to it on my show notes. Okay, let's go on with this. If you're an introvert, you might prefer having another coach, just one other coach that is in the same place as you as an accountability partner. Now, I've partnered a few times over the years with one like-minded person who was basically in the same place I was. Sometimes I've partnered with people to work on a similar project together. And I think this is the beauty way to go. It is not only fun, but it is an incredible kind of support to have. Certainly, if you've hired a mentor coach, you have accountability there. But sometimes it's also good to have peer accountability. And it could look like this. It could be that you actually meet on the phone once a week and you tell each other what you are doing that week, specific tasks that the other person can hold you accountable. Uh, if you'd rather, you can also do that by email. You can just send each other an email. And at the end of the week, then you you send an email saying, hey, this is what I did do, and this is what I didn't do, and this is why I didn't do it. And and maybe then the next time that you meet voice to voice, you can do a little co-coaching with each other. And as I just said, this needs to be an equal partnership. This, you know, this isn't like one person being the coach all the time that gets really annoying. You really want to make sure that there's a sort of an even Steven thing going on there. There are other types of partnership that you can consider. Some of my clients have asked me if it would be smart for them to seek out a partner for their coaching business. You know, another coach to share the decisions and the marketing and the costs of the business. 
And that sounds good, doesn't it? At least in theory, if everything lined up perfectly. So you can tell I'm, I think this is a suspect thing. In general, I think you're much better off partnering with another coach only after each of you has fully established. You both have a strong following and you are financially successful already. Then the idea of joining together would be to create a new entity and to expand using all the things that you have already created. And what's so great about that is that you've already got confidence. You've already got a lot going on for you. But it does not work so well for two new coaches to throw in together. Now, why is that? When what you're selling is ultimately you, you have to learn to communicate your value in an irresistible way in order to attract your ideal clients. And that takes time and practice. See, if you don't yet know what your secret sauce is, your unique coaching style, or the psychographics of your target audience, if you don't yet have messaging and offers that resonate with your audience or know exactly what it is that your audience wants so much that they'll invest in your help to get it, then you can't really hope to succeed when you mix it up with another entrepreneur who is similarly you know, not together yet. Now, there's no shame in not having everything together. This is a developmental path. At this stage of things, you shouldn't expect to have everything figured out. You're in startup. It's a, it's a developmental process, just like, you know, first being an infant and then a toddler. And so you get the, the point there. But if you get help, from a mentor to help you choose your niche, to set a really smart brand, to get a solid business model together, customized to you, your audience, and your offer, then you're in a really different place, right? But that is not like a snap, you've got it done kind of thing. Now, to partner where you'd share a website and marketing You'd need to be wholly simpatico with that other coach in your approach and message while also having crystal clear separation between what each of you deliver. You'd need to serve the same audience, but in a completely different and yet complementary ways. As an example, if you and your partner were, were both business coaches and you were serving solopreneurs, and one of you specialized in branding and messaging while the other specialized in social media marketing and Facebook ads. Well, that could work. Can you see why? It's because there's actually solid expertise and a pathway for the client to work with one of you and then the next. Now that makes a lot of sense as a partnership. Business partnership seems like it would ease the way but it isn't always rosy. I've known a number of coaches who have partnered only later to divorce bitterly because they both could not thrive in the business or they couldn't agree. Usually what happens is one person, the dominant person, does well while the other sucks wind. 
And that's really not a great place to be in in startup. So consider going what I call partner light, share office space, share equipment, share memberships and software, help each other out in accountability partnership. But don't try to share your business at this point and be sure that you really differentiate from each other in every way so that you can help each other out, so that you can refer people to each other. Now, another way to reduce loneliness is to simulate a job-like environment. Consider joining a co-working space if you're in a large enough civic area that has them. While it does have a monthly fee, there are lots of amenities and opportunities for connecting with other entrepreneurs. I'll share a couple of find a co-working space links in the show notes. Or if you don't want to deal with the monthly fee, you could create an office-like environment without that by spending part of your time working at a coffee shop or a library. I tend to break free from my office on Fridays and go where they serve my favorite chai and it's comfortable and there's lots of work nooks. While it's not an intentional community, it's still a social scene and perfect for doing things like writing content or doing admin for your business. You obviously can't take clients there. It's just not, you know, private enough. One more thing. Don't forget about setting up some regular coffee or lunch dates or go out and have a drink with colleagues or friends from, from time to time. Because when you work at a job, that kind of thing is readily available. You have to just work a little bit harder to make it happen when you're a solo entrepreneur. So whatever your choice, do something intentional today to find or create your community. And I'm talking about peer community here. It will keep your head on straight and make building your coaching business a lot more fun. My next episode is going to cover five coaching business mistakes that I made so you won't have to. <laughs> and by the way, these mistakes are common pitfalls. So I want you to listen to that episode and avoid them. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Prosperous Coach Podcast. And please, if you like something about it, review this show and share it with other coaches. Joel Bass did my theme music. Thanks, Joel.